Totally. And, you know, growing up, I tried so many different diets, whether they lasted a week or a month or whatever, I tried everything. And I think the disappointment of trying so many things led me to the extreme of an eating disorder because I'd failed so many times. I thought I was broken. I thought that, you know, the only way I was going to achieve the aesthetic that I wanted was through being disordered or was through, you know, not eating food, through over-exercising or through throwing up anything that I ate. I thought that was the only way that I was going to achieve what other people were able to achieve just by being themselves. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you will see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it is a pleasure to have you here today. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're an OG, welcome back. This podcast, this platform of sorts, is a place to share the stories of others in hopes of educating, inspiring, or just connecting with one of you and or your life story. And as you know, if you've been listening for a while... Part of my life story was greatly impacted by diet culture. I'd say through about seven-ish years of disordered eating, body dysmorphia, and exercise addiction that I just really, really struggled with because of diet culture. I spent those years feeling so alone, so lost, and just so consumed by the thoughts in my head and the habits I couldn't break I mean, I don't like to say I lost those years because that seems kind of intense, (laughs) but I certainly wasn't living to my fullest potential. And to think that it all started, like actually truly started when I was about eight, nine years old. So how did that happen? You may be wondering in your mind, maybe not. Uh, Well, I'll tell you, it was through a single comment by one ignorant doctor. And as you'll hear in today's episode with Sam, we both had very similar experiences where at this tender child age, you know, literally just a child, we had our family doctor tell us we were overweight. Now, when I say we, I'm not saying we had the same doctor, but two different stories, same situation happened. A doctor told us as a child that we were overweight that we were above our age range BMI, that we should lose weight to fit in that optimal quote-unquote range. As children, we were told that. And while neither of us took immediate action, that thought and that belief about ourselves would be in the back of our minds and the back of, you know, in our subconscious and then reappear a little while later when we did fall into diet culture. Or more so when diet culture found us and sucked us into this like black hole vortex (laughs) Um, through the use of media and magazines, um, online platforms, comments from others, just building this disconnect from our bodies and sucking us into that black hole that diet culture is. And so in today's episode, Sam and I break down the true impact of diet culture and how it can quite literally take over your life. I mean, this starts with how diet culture shifts our perception of health from the get-go. So it goes from, I want to fuel my body right and play sports for fun and be active to dot, dot, dot. That all changes and shifts to assigning moral values to food as good or bad and creating fear foods. It becomes not working out just for fun or playing sports for fun, but obsessively working out, working out multiple times a day, feeling this pressure or fear of what our bodies will look like or be like if we don't work out. And it goes from just like living and eating to live to focusing so much on calories that it's just calories in and calories out. And it just, everything, everything changes and shifts to lose the fun and just the natural flow of life. 
And then health itself becomes less about how we feel and more about how we look from the outside. It becomes about the aesthetics. And a large part of this does stem from the media. We're shown health to be these super quote-unquote fit people with ripped abs and toned everything, like everything is toned. And they have glowing skin and these quote-unquote flawless bodies. And who wouldn't want to look like that, right? Well, that's the message we're given. And so that becomes our perception of health. But it's just simply not true. Okay, I'm so sorry if you can hear my cat meowing in the background. Cat, I am trying to have a serious, uplifting, inspiring podcast introduction here. Mind the interruption. <laughs> Literally, this is why I need my own house with no cats in it, because they're just messing with my podcast game. Anyway, back into this intro I'm trying to create here. <laughs> Sam then just really shares about her journey overall with disordered eating and obsessive health that was, you know, started all in thanks to diet culture. And this opens up the conversation to just these pressures and unrealistic standards of diet culture that can really mess with your life. We discuss how isolating disordered eating actually is as, you know, we're taking these actions and mindsets and it's dis distancing us from others. And then in that, it's like that constant sense of comparison to others. And so we're just truly, really alone and isolated and nobody wants that. And another key topic that Sam brings up and what I loved about our discussion on it was this idea of the starvation and surplus mindset. Now let that sink in, starvation and surplus, and how this leads to that yo-yo phenomena we all know exists of restrict and binge, lose weight, gain weight, like it just, that's how it goes, right? Not work out at all to overworking out. It's just like going from one extreme to the next. And then Sam shares a bit about how language actually matters when it comes to discussing not only, you know, disordered eating, but just overall health and body image. And that kind of ties into what I was saying before about how, you know, society and a lot of us have these moral values attached to food, right? And we, we label things as good or bad. And uh, so just really a small discussion on why language matters and um, in that also why there isn't one look to an eating disorder, right? So how... We can compliment one person for their body and then another person, it's like, oh, wow, you're definitely, you know, restricting. And that's just not always the case, right? Like the person that looks perfectly fine could also be struggling. So there's just so much good in this. Like, honestly, I could go on and on, but instead I just want you to actually listen to the episode. <laughs> then you'll get it all. And I'm just really just excited to see like what revelations come out of this. And then, like, beyond those things that you pick up from the actual episode, Sam kind of shares some questions she asks herself at the end when she shares, you know, more about her actual recovery story and moment. And these are just some questions you can ask yourself or little actions you can take if you think diet culture has been possibly impacting your relationship to food, exercise, and overall health. So I just really hope that you resonate with this episode in one way or another. Maybe it shows you something about yourself or about someone in your life. Maybe it makes you question something, see something in a new light, or just, you know, maybe maybe just gives you something to ponder on. And either way, like, that's just what the, that's what this entire podcast is about. And I'm just so grateful that Sam came on and shared her story so that hopefully she can inspire one or many of you to make change in your life. So if you like today's episode, let us know. You can share on your Instagram or message us. Sam is on Instagram at the Sam Plan, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. You guys know I appreciate you so much, and I would love to connect. Let us know your thoughts, and without further ado, let's begin. As I mentioned when I emailed you, my entire story with, you know, eating disorder, there's obviously like a lot of factors that go into it, right? As with everything. But a big part of it was when I was around nine, 10 years old, you know, I went to the doctor. He mentioned to my mom, I was 15 pounds or so like above my optimal BMI for my age range. And at the time, I didn't really understand what it meant. And my mom didn't want to, you know, she didn't, think anything of it. She didn't really, you know, pressure any change or whatnot, but it always kind of sat with me. And 
when my eating disorder journey began, it was always something in the back of my mind of, you know, let's lose those 15 pounds or it was kind of like that voice, you know, badgering at me. So I'm just kind of curious if you could share, you know, with anyone listening, how you kind of had a similar story that kind of started, I feel your interest and rode into the, you know, world of health, wellness, and diet culture too. Yeah, we have close to identical (laughs) stories really with uh, my earliest memory of becoming very self-aware of my weight and potentially being overweight. And instead of the doctor talking to my mom, the doctor talked to me and literally showed me on a graph that had, you know, ideal BMI and then pointed to where I was, which was much higher on that scale. And like you, I didn't really put it together. It didn't really create much literal action in terms of now I was so diet focused. At that point, I hadn't had any previous exposure to dieting or really feeling the need to change my body. And from that point on, I think it was more of a subconscious draw into I'm not ideal. I'm not, you know, an appropriate weight. I'm bigger than everybody else. It was all of these thoughts and things that really were produced by that initial, hey, you're not where you should be, or you don't look the way that you should, the way that you look isn't right. So that was kind of the launching point towards what eventually would become my eating disorder, but also like my obsession with food, with nutrition, with exercise. And I grew up playing sports. I loved being active, but then it wasn't just about being active for fun. It was about being active for calorie expenditure. It kind of just sucked me into diet culture in a way that I didn't even know it was happening at the time. Do you remember when your first, you know, actual exposure to diet culture was? I know, because like you said, like the doctor's appointment, that was just sort of like a subconscious thing. Mm-hmm. But I know for me specifically, it was kind of stumbling upon a few articles in these teen health magazines and seeing these certain like fit accounts on Pinterest, I think it was actually at the time. So do you remember like something that sort of triggered that exact weight loss diet culture mentality? It for sure was, you know, those taglines that we all still see on magazines of how to lose 10 pounds in two weeks or what Cameron Diaz is eating to, you know, achieve her rock hard abs or whatever it was, right? Like there was always something on a magazine or I mean, we also see all those infomercials and things like that on TV all the time. So I think I, you know, had exposure to it, again, more subconsciously. But then at that moment when I was told that, you know, the way that my body was, it wasn't ideal or healthy, then it turned into, oh, well, like, here's a solution. And so I was drawn into these solutions that were on magazines, on the covers. I remember I'd be like on a trip with my parents, like we'd be at the airport And I would like just initially like go, I would immediately go to those taglines and I'd flip through looking for secrets, like looking for, you know, something that was going to help me yield what I felt like I needed to accomplish. Right. Because at least I know for me, it was always like, I felt that this article or this thing would find the solution, you know, like that key to happiness idea of if I could just do this plan or this diet or this workout like everything will be fine, but that's not the reality, right? Like we always, it becomes that obsession of like, you can't just lose X amount of pounds. You have to keep going, or you can't just eat this. You have to keep going. Like it just, I don't know. I feel like it feeds off of itself, you know? Totally. And, you know, growing up, I tried so many different diets, whether they lasted a week or a month or whatever, I tried everything. And I think the disappointment of trying so many things led me to the extreme of an eating disorder because I'd failed so many times. I thought I was broken. I thought that, you know, the only way I was going to achieve the aesthetic that I wanted was through being disordered or was through, you know, not eating food, through over-exercising or through throwing up anything that I ate. I thought that was the only way that I was going to achieve what other people were able to achieve just by being themselves, right? Like I was comparing myself to my peers and 
yeah, I exercise as much, maybe more than they did, but why didn't I look like them? Or I ate the same things, but why didn't I, why wasn't I thin like they were? So I think at some point it just turned into this extreme that took over not just my subconscious, but every waking and living moment. Do you feel like in that time it was also isolating in that means of, it's like you're constantly comparing, like you said, comparing yourself of like, well, I'm healthier, you know, quote unquote than them, or I do this than them, yet you still feel, you know, they still feel superior to you. And I know for me too, like it felt, like you said, kind of like you're broken or just like an outcast, almost like the isolation factor. Yeah. And then, you know, you throw these actions that we all can in a rational mind see are unhealthy or, you know, you're not sharing these secrets with your friends or with your family, because if you told anybody, first of all, they're, it's kind of embarrassing. You don't feel like you're normal and you don't want to share the things that you're doing because you know that it's not normal. It's not healthy, but it feels like the only way that you're going to, again, accomplish that goal that you have is by continuing these actions and doing them alone. Because again, you don't think that they're normal or healthy, but you also see that it's the only way or you, the only way that you think that you can be this way. Isn't it crazy how, I mean, like now that you're saying that I was really thinking about it, how fundamentally we know like what's wrong or what's just not accepted or maybe not right, yet we still, we make it okay in our minds. You know, like as long as we don't say it out loud, it's, we make it okay in our minds because I think there is like a certain desperation to reaching that Mm -hmm. body weight or that certain standard of health you want to get to. And it's fascinating, you know, to understand that you can know that something is so wrong or not right. And yet we just still like pacify ourselves that it will be, you know, like, I think, and I think it does go both ways because I think that, you know, a lot of it, you do keep secret. You don't talk about it because you know that it's not right or maybe not healthy. But I also think that diet culture is validating a lot of the things that are, that I would consider to be disordered eating because, you know, we'll have these conversations or, I'll talk about something on social media and I get messages from girls saying, I didn't know that that wasn't normal or that wasn't healthy. I didn't think that I had an eating disorder until I heard you talk about yours. And it's because we have diet culture promoting, you know, these very low calorie diets, starvation diets, or diet cultures promoting, you know, all these weird things that we can now say that we understand to be unhealthy, but looking back and depending on how old you are and how immersed in, you know, lack of information you are, like these things can seem normal because everyone else is doing it, or they seem normal because you're trying to lose weight. So it depends on really what you're influenced by and what you're surrounded by. But I mean, I had healthy influences at home that were showing me that, you know, me making myself throw up was not, not healthy, right? Or me starving myself wasn't healthy. But there were also a lot of other things that I was doing that I likely validated because of diet culture and because of things that I read in magazines or because of things that I'd heard from friends. So I think it can go either way. That is so true, actually, you know, now that you say that, where it is, it's like that tug and pull of we're being validated in some ways, and then in other ways, we just choose to keep it secret. And, you know, that's amazing, too, what you said about how once you do start opening up. And I think that once you're in the recovery space, health, wellness, whatever you want to call it, it becomes so apparent to us, right? You know, of like, oh, wow, can't believe I did that. But there are still so many people who only have diet culture and media as their sources of information on this topic. And so listening to someone's story such as yours on a podcast or, you know, maybe it's YouTube or a Instagram caption, like it's amazing how big of a reach it can get. And, you know, you mentioned that some people were messaging you saying like, I didn't realize that was not necessarily right until I listened to you explain it. Like what, what did your like, you know, relationship, I suppose, with the eating disorder look like? Like how did it affect your life? I just kind of want to give like people an idea of like some of these things that, you know, you 
you were like practicing and being told were, you know, maybe okay to do by diet culture to really try to like reach this optimal body that you, you know, you probably kind of tied, I'm sure self-worth the body image, like a lot of us do. So I'm just kind of curious, like what experiences you had with it, just try to pinpoint to people, like maybe some things they should look out for. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's important to recognize that it's different for everybody. There's a scale of, you know, where you may fall on that scale. And for me, at least early on, I mean, I struggled with eating body image, fueling my body for, I would say a good 15 years of trying different diets, desperately trying to lose weight and then, you know, falling off on the other end. And then that really turning into a full-blown eating disorder and then, you know, continually trying to recover for, you know, years and years and years, not really reaching this point that I'm at now. So when it first started, I would, you know, sacrifice social events. I wanted to stay home so that I didn't, I wasn't around food. I would eat before going out to eat. I would only order like a diet soda if I went out to happy hour or, I went out to eat so that I wasn't in a place where I couldn't eat and then throw up. And that was like my biggest thing was if I eat this, then I have to throw it up. And I didn't want to be in a position where I couldn't do that. Not to say that it never happened, but um, it definitely kept me away from engaging with people, connecting with people and you know, feeling comfortable in those types of situations. It always brought on anxiety and stress, depending on really where I was at in life. Like there were different emotions tied to food. Uh, What else? When I would like vacation, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, well, I have a week to eat whatever I wanted. And I would gain 10, 15 pounds because my understanding of what my body needed was so skewed and I was spending so much time starving my body of nutrients that I just had no perception of gut fullness. I had no perception of satiety. I only knew two extremes and that was starvation and a surplus. So there were a lot of, I mean, there's so many different things that I've realized over time have just taken away from my best life, like have really taken away from me being able to enjoy every experience, whether that be college, whether that be, you know, my friends getting married or, you know, bachelorette parties. Like there's so many things that I'll never get back that were somewhat skewed by my relationship with food and my relationship with myself. And the more that I've unrooted and really thought about why I am who I am and the way why I am the way that I am I've been able to in a way like understand where those blocks have come from and better be able to you know create new habits and coping mechanisms and explore what an ideal life for me looks like and what fulfillment for me looks like and that's not just the way that I look and the way that I perform in the gym, there's so many other aspects of life. And in retrospect, it's so easy to see those moments of vacations and um, college and, you know, all these experiences, like I said, I won't ever get back that I did sacrifice a part of because I just wasn't willing to accept myself or work on my relationship with food because I was at such an odds with the way that I looked. Thank you like so much for sharing that because I know that, you know, it can be a lot, but honestly, I mean, those habits and things that you were sharing in the beginning are all things that as you were saying them, I could think of, you know, a meme or a headline or something I had seen promoting that idea of, you know, like do this and whatnot. And then what you were saying too about just, you know, like how it affects our life so much more than health. You know, I mean, like I've talked with people I brought on a couple to discuss how an eating disorder affects a relationship, you know, and I've brought on people to discuss how it kind of affects like so many different aspects of our life that we don't even realize, right? Like in the moment, we're just kind of focused on this is what I want to look like, or this is how I want to feel, but we're not thinking of like all these external things around us that it's affecting. And, um, you know, when you were talking about that 
like the two modes, you know, of starvation and surplus. I know I personally always would struggle with years of like yo-yoing back and forth, you know, between kind of like time, a season of under eating, restriction, over exercising, and then a season of like, fuck it, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to, you know, like heal. And then it would just yo-yo back and forth because I couldn't find like my happy medium. Was that something that you would say like you were experiencing then just like that cycle mindset of, you know, like you kind of let yourself relax a bit, but then you get unhappy with how you look or how you feel. So you revert back to old behaviors. Totally. That happened for years. And essentially I was losing and gaining the same 20 to 30 pounds. And every time I did, and this is something that I know through research and through like my education is that every time you diet and you diet to such an extreme, you're going to gain that weight back, but you're also going to increase your set point. So every time you diet and you essentially starve yourself, you're going to gain that weight back almost absolutely. And then some weight, and then now your body wants to stay at that weight. So it's going to be significantly harder for you to lose weight again, because you've increased your body's set point where it wants to be, where it feels healthy, where it feels comfortable. So all of this dieting, this yo-yo dieting is going to backfire on everybody, right? And I'm for sure an example of that because of the restriction that I put my body through every single year, because I would get to that point where, oh, I'd gained so much weight, I have to lose it now. And it wasn't coming from a place of, I don't feel good. I'm not taking care of myself. It was always, I failed. I gained so much weight. I'm such a failure. And now the only way that I know to feel better is to restrict myself and to, you know, lose the weight and be really serious with my goals again. When now I can understand that, you know, weight gain and weight loss is just a part of life. And depending on what season of life you're in, you know, whether it be Christmas, where there's Christmas cookies and holiday cookies around all the time, and you want to enjoy those and enjoy holiday parties, like, yeah, you might put on a few pounds, like, who cares, right? Like, I can be okay with that, because it's about living my life and being happy with the experiences that I'm allowing myself to embrace. And then in the summer, maybe instead of chowing down on how on Christmas cookies, I'm you know, eating fresh watermelon by the beach and playing beach volleyball. Those are two very different seasons of life that I'm fully embracing and enjoying for exactly what they are, rather than it be a focus on, well, in the winter, I gain weight. And in the summer, I lose weight. It's just all a cycle of what is going on in my life at that time. Oh, I love that. Yes. Like, yeah, just the nap, allowing your body to naturally ebb and flow I mean, we all know that emotions, you know, ebb and flow and we feel different every day, but I think so often we get fixated on one body size, one body image, and, you know, tie that one single body to our, you know, ultimate happiness and ultimate life goals when, yeah, like you said, I mean, it just, it comes and goes and there's so many like life factors that affect it too, you know, whether you're just married or you just got divorced or you had kids or you're traveling like there's just so many factors that diet culture and media you know just they don't remind you of they don't they don't remind you that this is normal and this is how a normal body fluctuates and functions too right and it's giving that respect to the human body for what it does best which is support you through all phases of life and you know a lot of my friends are getting pregnant and having kids now and that's the prime example for me of surrendering to that point of life that you're in and not trying to control what you can't control. And that's been, I think, the focal point of most of my life is trying to control the way that I looked and correlating that with my value and my happiness and, you know, really simplifying something that's so complicated to say that you know, when I'm in control, I'm the healthiest and I'm the happiest. When in reality, that's a false kind of, you know, reality that I was living in was that, you know, when I'm in control and I'm eating less, this is what, how I feel. But it's just, again, it's a false reality that 
you can control everything and that that's going to lead to happiness. I think what's made me the most happy and the most fulfilled in life is being able to surrender some of that control to allow for life to really come in and allow for me to live my life to the fullest without the fear and the inhibition of, well, this is going to have this effect on the way that I look and just be less superficial. I for sure spent most of my life being so invested in looks, things, and relationships when I was devaluing my relationship with myself and devaluing a body type that was anything but what I deemed to be perfect. Yes, yes. I think the control factor, whether, you know, when you're in your eating disorder or you're starting to recover or choosing to recover is just such a critical piece that sometimes gets, you know, like left behind. Mm -hmm. Uh, We still think we can like go into recovery while controlling like every little aspect. And I think that's, you know, something that we have to kind of think about. But, you know, I am curious when you decided to recover, you know, and you're just like, okay, enough of this, you know, like BS, I want to live my life to its fullest. I just want to, like you said, kind of have that best version of life I can have without being tied to all these past habits and things. Like how, how did you choose that? Or how did you come to that realization of I'm, you know, I'm done like these habits. I'm, I know anyone that's listening, that's gone through them. It's not like you just say, I'm recovering and you recover. It's hard. It's undoing, you know, in my case, seven years, your case, 15 years of a lifestyle. So how did you even begin that process? Like, were there two or three kind of steps that you really took or would recommend for someone that even wants to kind of get started or make that mindset shift or the baby step in the right direction? My big aha moment was... I mean, I'd I'd been through so many years of gaining and losing, and I am such an expert at weight loss in not only my own experience, but also that's essentially what I went to school for. I studied nutritional science in my undergrad, and I got my master's in kinesiology and sport nutrition. And for my thesis, I studied women bodybuilders as they prep for shows. So as they... as they lost weight, like what happened to their metabolism and how did they adjust their intake? So I became an expert in weight loss and I couldn't do it anymore. Like I couldn't continue to put myself through this cycle of losing the weight, being happy with how I looked, but like not fully being happy with my lifestyle to then trying to be happy with my lifestyle and gaining weight. It was just this constant cycle that I was just exhausted. Like I couldn't even, even me now, I can't even fathom the thought of going into a a deficit or intentionally trying to lose weight. Like that to me is such a, a, a far away thought. Like I just would never do it. Like even if I, and I do have my bad body image days where I'm like, oh, like I'm definitely not as lean as I used to be. But then I think, well, do I want to go on a diet? No. (laughs) So it's, I still have those thoughts of like, well, I'm not that lean. And then I have to combat that with, there's no way I would ever put myself through this again. Right. So it's, I still have those thoughts and I definitely have to talk myself off some of these things that I go through, but yeah. So, I mean, obviously I was just exhausted from that cycle and I also, at the same time, met my now boyfriend, and it's very hard to want to be in a relationship or invest in a relationship and want all the normal things like going out to eat and, you know, being with someone where so much that you can't continue with those destructive habits. And it really forced me to changed the way that I was living my life. And it forced me to really challenge my thoughts, challenge my actions, and want to be the person that I know he saw. And while we were going out to eat, like I definitely put on a lot of weight and he was so encouraging of it. And I was like, you're not disgusted by this weight gain. Like I just still had this thought of me at my best is me at my leanest. And that's not what he saw. And that's not what he reflected back to me. So then I got to see myself differently at, at that same time. 
And I don't think that you need another person to show you that you're of value no matter what size you are. I think that that's something that you can learn in whatever way. Like, I think that it's a really important thing to realize. But for me to have that validation of, oh, like, maybe my best isn't my leanest and I can still be loved and love myself at any stage of weight and at any size. And it's, it was definitely an eye-opening moment for me to where I cared less about restricting my, ca- my calories. I cared less about going into dieting. And I was like, okay, well, how do I make this more of a lifestyle? Because at the same time of me gaining weight, I also wasn't feeling that great either. I was, you know, very low energy because we were eating out all the time. I didn't really want to work out either. I was very unmotivated because of the way that I was fueling my body. So finding some element of routine and maintaining that, focusing on all different parts of fulfillment for me, which is, you know, mind, body, spirit, relationships, career, it was all of those different pillars that I often would neglect and it wasn't just about the way that I looked and the way that I trained. So it really helped me like strongly pursue change. I love that. And I you know I personally haven't been in a relationship, but I can imagine that something like an eating disorder could almost feel like a third person in the relationship, you know, like something that's completely stealing your attention and your time because it's like, do I go out with my boyfriend or do I stay in and listen to the ED thoughts telling me not to go out to eat? Like I can just imagine it would be, you know, such turmoil to have both things pulling at you. Um, And then, you know, like you were saying, it's not like you need a relationship to feel that sort of way, but like even friendships. I mean, if you look around you and think honestly of like, will my friends leave me if I gain weight? I would hope, you know, most people would say no. Uh, And if not, maybe, (laughs) maybe analyze those friendships a bit more. But uh, yeah, I just, I think it's neat that sometimes when we open ourselves up to like the outside, you know, people around us or the circumstances around us, we can see like just how much our eating disorder or diet culture, you know, just thoughts in general um, affect us. And, you know, I'm kind of curious too, actually, I just thought of this when I was saying that your, you know, just input on like, in the ED field and ED recovery, especially, there can sometimes be this notion of, you know, like I'm not sick enough or I'm not thin enough to have an eating disorder. And I think, you know, that's total bullshit because I'm, you know, like we've all been there, right? Like we're at different body sizes, we're at different places and it can still be an issue. So like, you know, how did that kind of play out in your life? Cause I'm sure, like you said, you had times and you were a much different size than at your leanest. And so I'm just kind of curious, like, did you ever have that mindset too? Absolutely. And I mean, I was so resistant to change because I created this reality where I convinced myself that I was in control and that I could stop at any time that I wanted. Or once I reached that goal weight, goal size, I could stop and resume almost my normal life or normal actions. And I was so convinced that I was in control. And that's, I think, why I didn't get help or I was resistant to it. I also, and absolutely what you said, like where you go through cycles and the entire time I had this eating disorder, I would gain 30 pounds or I would lose 30 pounds. Like it was never one size that I was maintaining throughout my entire eating disorder. And what I think really supported my eating disorder actions was actually people vocalizing how good I looked at certain sizes. And that's something that triggers me now too, when people are like, oh, like you look great. Like, have you lost weight? Or uh, just people initially or initiating a conversation with, wow, you look amazing. Like you look like you've lost weight. Those are things that I heard throughout my entire eating disorder that encouraged me to continue with it without anybody else really realizing or knowing, knowing that. And so I think it can just be so toxic to comment on someone's weight and it can be so toxic to comment on someone's appearance because it's very important for all of us to know how an eating disorder doesn't look one way or 
uh, weight loss does not necessarily mean that you're being healthy and that you're taking care of yourself. It can be the complete opposite. But if someone's praising you for actions that they don't know that you're doing, you know, unknowingly, obviously all of these things are connected because no one knows what you're doing behind closed doors. But that's the toxic part is that we're assuming that someone is just, you know, eating well and taking care of themselves when you don't know the full reality ever. You have no idea what people are struggling with. So you never know how impactful and powerful your words can be, both positive and negative. So I think that it's important for all of us to take a step back and really think about the things that we say and how much importance we place on things that are so superficial and so insignificant. Because like you said, there's no one look for an eating disorder. It can look 30 pounds heavier, 50 pounds heavier, or 30 to 50 pounds lighter. And I've been on both spectrums and I've been sick at both on, on both sides. So, you know, the more we place importance and the more we talk about the way that we look, it just kind of really initiates that toxic pattern that can have such drastic and negative results tied to them. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can vividly remember almost every time someone's comment on my weight prompted, you know, thoughts because sometimes it would almost seem like I was just starting to get to a point of like, I don't know if this is right, you know, like just kind of uncertain of what I was doing. And then boom, someone says, you know, five words, not thinking anything of it. And for someone that's lost in, you know, eating disorder land up in our minds, uh, it's just, you know, you're back to start. You're back to, okay, I'm, I'm not sick. Like, this is fine. I'm doing good. Like it's, it can be a total, you know, mind trick. So um, yeah, like intentional mindful speech is so, so crucial, I think. And something that, you know, a lot of, a lot of us could probably do like a little bit better of, or just be a bit more mindful of, you know, when it comes to this field. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that how, certain things that certain people say will stick with you for so long, just like our doctor's visits, you know, like you just never know how strong of an impact your words are going to have. And no one has, no one enters into a conversation or a comment like that with ill intentions, but that's just the point. Uh, What's the phrase, uh, the pathway to, um, Oh, well, the pathway to something, it was paved with good intentions. Okay. I, I know what you're talking of, but yeah. I'm not, I have a bad memory. So <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, it'll come to me later. Yeah. But, uh, but it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where, especially being on a visual platform like Instagram, like people are going to mm-hmm. comment on the way that you look and it's never going to be based on your intention with the post. It's always going to be based on what they see and the assumptions that they make about you, which is really hard for someone who has had a, or like has a past with eating disorders and with, you know, mental illness. And it's made me so much stronger though, to be able to share and be vulnerable and to disconnect my value with the way that I look and really focus on the other parts of life that are just so much more fulfilling and so much more gratifying. And it's really a release and it's a freedom that I hope that, you know, people can start to value more and more. And it starts with how you talk to other people, how you talk to yourself and, um, you know, day-to-day practice, it's not going to happen overnight. You're still going to have the thoughts like I do of, Oh, you could be leaner or, you know, you should have worked out today. Like, why didn't you do that? And it just starts there and it's having those conversations with yourself and with other people of being understanding and having grace and being able to realize that each and every day is so insignificant in the big picture. One of my favorite analogies, and this is actually something that my chemistry teacher said, like one of our first days in school in college. And that was that like, you can't get caught up in the trees. Like don't get caught up down there. Remember that you're in a forest and the theories are much more important than these small little actions. So I think it correlates to so many things and chemistry or outside of chemistry, you know, the big picture is so important and these little things that we get caught up in and that feel so significant in the moment 
are truly so unimportant. And if you can just be, you know, consistent and have the right intentions, so many more positive things will start coming your way. Yes. Oh, I love that. And it, yeah, I mean, it's basically like finding that freedom out when you, when you mentioned freedom, it just kind of got me thinking about, and then that analogy too, like this idea of we are so just stuck in like the day to day, it becomes a habit, you know, like all these lifestyle diet culture things, they become a habit and you just go day to day grind. And you're just so obsessed with this like present moment that you're not thinking of the big picture, which is down the road. Like, you know, I, three years, you know, seven years of that. And I'm still, you know, struggling with hormone issues. Like there's just so many, you know, like the big picture idea that we don't see when we're in like, we're down in the mud and we're just like struggling through it. And, um, yeah, I think that's something too, that I'm trying to really like bring to light, you know, in any way I, you know, possible is just like thinking of just a little bit down the road, like, where is this going to lead me? Is it a good place, a bad place, somewhere in between? Um, you know, and then I did want to ask you too, on the topic of freedom. And you mentioned also like those thoughts that still sometimes come up about like working out and body image and things like those. Like, I'm just curious since you've chosen to, you know, recover and just really reclaim your life back, how did you find freedom from like those pressures of exercise, you know, specifically in like tying body image and worth to workouts or even like the idea of some foods being good or bad, you know, in quotations, we all, you know, foods equal. But um, I'm just curious, like how you found freedom from those sorts of beliefs. For that, I definitely think it's important to also say that balance is going to be different for everybody. And it's funny because ask me three years ago, but what I thought about balance, I would have told you that it's bullshit. <laughs> I would have told you that it's people making excuses for not being dedicated enough to their goals. That's what I really believed. Um, and now I realize and I'm, I've practiced and I've kind of tried and experimented with so many different ways to incorporate balance. And for me, I had to stop exercising for a while because I just didn't want to be there. I didn't like it. I was doing it because I had to. And moving forward, I was like, I, you know, I thought I needed to be more dedicated or I needed to be more disciplined and just make myself go. But for me, that was actually more counterproductive because it just made exercise something that wasn't enjoyable. So after I took time off, I really missed it. And I wanted to exercise and I, and I, that was probably, I guess like maybe August or September of last year, I was just kind of like, I want to love exercise again. Like I want to enjoy going to the gym. I want to feel empowered by it and have, you know, the confidence to be in there to do whatever it is that I want to do. And the only solution that I came up with was that, you know, if I want to go to the gym, I'm going to go. If I don't want to go to the gym, I'm not going to go. And maybe instead I go for a walk with my dog and we enjoy being outside, hiking, doing things like that. And what I found, even with quarantine, I don't love home workouts. I work out maybe every other day, every other, or every two days, which is so far from what I used to do but I just love being outside and walking. So I've been doing that a ton more instead of forcing myself to do a home workout. And I've practiced and practiced and practiced that questioning and understanding of my motives behind what I'm doing. And am I doing it for myself or am I doing it to myself? And same thing with eating out. Like, do I want to go out to eat and have a burger or would I be just as happy or want to make something at home that's that's not a burger, you know? So I've definitely made it a point, especially in the beginning of at least once a week, I'm going to go out to eat and I'm going to just see how I feel. And at first it was, it kind of was more of a binge where I didn't feel like I had that control to understand when I was full, if I really wanted it, or if I just felt like I had to eat it. That was a big thing for me. I've always been very anti-waste and I never wanted to not finish my plate simply because I paid for it. Yeah, and I the like same I way. <laughs> and sometimes I still have those thoughts, but yeah. my boyfriend is very much like, I don't want that anymore. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't really either. Like I'm kind of just eating it because mm. we bought it. 
So I've learned to pick up on those things and ask myself those questions of, do I really want this? And being present with food too. Like we have in-depth conversations about burgers and what we love about them and what we hate about them as we're eating them. Whereas before, if I had a burger, I would have this like blackout moment where I would just eat it as fast as I could. And then I would want another one just because it was something that I had forbidden for so long. And I think my brain and the hormone excretion, like it was just so strong that it really was that blackout moment that you might experience of, you know, um, like drunchies or whatever, like, you know, you kind of just are on this automatic and like uncontrolled mode that is so far beyond where I am at now. So it's funny, to, it's not funny to look back, but it's, it is crazy to look back and see just how drastically different my mindset is when I'm eating and what it's like after I eat too, because now it's not this black or white, good or bad food. It's just all food is food. And I want to understand how my body feels when I eat it and how I enjoy it. And enjoying food is so important to me now. And it was before, but it was something that was counterproductive to my goals at the time. You know, I felt like, oh, because I love food so much, I have no control and I can't have it. So I created this block or this, you know, you can't have this or you shouldn't have this type mindset. And yeah, so it's just, it's definitely different. And it's something that I had to work really hard to accomplish, but it's just through repetition. I think, I don't know if you experienced something different with that, but. No, what you said was spot on. And it's neat because I interviewed a, you know, certified eating disorder specialist, psychiatrist, a couple weeks back. And she was explaining this idea of, you know, when these things become habits and then they become urges, it's so important to almost like ride it like a wave and you determine, you know, do you crash and just follow the urge or do you kind of pause, question it and determine how to move forward? And as you were explaining the exercise, you know, I so feel that of this idea of like, okay, am I working out because this is like an urge because I know I ate a bit more last night or am I working out because like I actually feel, you know, pumped up and ready to go? Like questioning that and the same thing with food too of, you know, I had, I'm when you said that thing about like not wanting to waste, that has been something I still, you know, work through. Just, I hate to waste. So it's like, of course, I'll always finish my plate and not that that's a bad thing, but as I learn to be more intuitive and just really eat to a place of being satiated and not overeating just as, you know, I don't want to undereat. Um, you know, it does become a question of like, am I finishing this just because for 20 years of my life, it's been hardwired in my brain. We don't waste food or am I actually, you know, hungry here? And, uh, I just think that is like so important too of, yeah, it's like a practice. You do it time and time again, you question yourself, you make the choices. Sometimes maybe you follow the urge and sometimes maybe you question yourself and you don't follow it. Like it's just, there's no right and wrong to it. But uh, yeah, so I just really resonated with that, with all of that. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people could probably see those same patterns popping up in their own own journey too. Yeah, I think what's interesting is the lengths that people will go, whether you think you have an, an eating disorder or you don't, the lengths that you'll go to achieve a body type or a weight on the scale. And, you know, even a few years ago, if you asked me if I would sacrifice my mental health for an aesthetic or even my physical health for my aesthetic, I would say absolutely. I wanted it so bad. I was willing to sacrifice everything. And I was right. Like I was destroying my body by the way that I was treating it. And at the same time, destroying my relationship with food, my relationship with myself, my body image, all of these things were at a cost of trying to look and fit into a certain pant size. And, you know, again, if you had asked me, Hey, this is the result. You're not going to have a great social life. You're not going to have a great relationship with food. I didn't care. And I don't think that you have to reach a point where you've sacrificed and lost to realize how unhealthy that is. And all it takes or all it can take is five to 10 minutes a day of really thinking about who you are and why you do the things that you do and really trying to 
discover who you are, what you want, and the root of that. So like for me, I made a list of like who I wanted to be and how I wanted to get there. Like that kind of was the the way that I backtracked. Like how am I going to get to be this person? And as I wrote out this list of all of the attributes I wanted to embody and all of the things that I found to be valuable, none of it actually had anything to do with how much I weighed. And so that was a big aha moment for me too, because, you know, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to have a healthy relationship with, you know, my family, my friends, my significant other. I wanted to be able to go and enjoy travel and I wanted to have a healthy relationship with food. And again, none of those things have anything to do with my body weight. It had nothing to do with my dress size. I just wanted to be happy. I wanted to be fulfilled. And so then I really went back and I started creating those actions that were going to bring me to be this person that I wanted to be, that I craved to be. And again, none of that had to do with dieting. None of it had to do with exercising every single day. And it was just rewiring the way that I thought about what I wanted because for so long it was rooted in a way that I looked or in my aesthetics. Oh, I love that. Just one major mindset shift of, you know, I don't know. I think so often we just want to run and kind of hide from uh, universal truth being thrown at us or where we're going with life. And uh, I think sometimes that can translate into those, you know, disordered eating habits, but yeah, to just take a moment, you know, maybe the five minutes a day for you is, you know, for different people is meditation or it's journaling or mm-hmm. it's talking with a loved one or walking or just sitting in silence. I don't know, but like taking those five, a couple minutes a day to figure out like how, like what would make me truly happy today? Or, you know, like you said, how can I become like my best self, not body image related? Like what truly would make this life, this one life we're given truly phenomenal for me. Um, And I think like those type of asking yourself those types of questions and really giving some thought to them is just, I mean, transformative. It it really shows you like what life is all about. So I love that practice. (laughs) Absolutely. And then just stepping into that person every day and working every day to fulfill those needs because I mean, it took me a long time to get into the routine of journaling. Like that was something that I was very resistant to. And it was really hard for me to make it a practice. But once I got into the rhythm of just a couple minutes, like what is your excuse for a couple minutes of you time of answering a question? It doesn't have to be a hard question. It could just be, you know, what are you grateful for today? And what is your intention? Right. And Mm -hmm. that is fully, you know, to step into the best, the best version of yourself and, live the best day that you can, because as you said, you know, we only get one life and not every day is promised. A hundred percent. And I, once more feel you, I don't know how many journals I started and stopped and started and stopped until finally it, it just stuck. Uh, So as with everything, you know, it's a practice in life. Um, If you can move from that eating disorder, you know, place of forcing yourself to exercise X amount of hours a day, like you can carve out a couple minutes to journal. It's, um, think it comes back to a mindset shift. So, uh, well, you have been like absolutely lovely to talk to. And I am just so happy for people to hear this. And I just, I really think it's going to connect and resonate with a lot of people, uh, even people I know in my personal life. So thank you for that. And, you know, where can people find you, connect, follow along your journey and just be, you know, endlessly inspired by you? Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much for having me on. This was so fun. I can be found on social media, Instagram, at the Sam plan, spelled exactly how it sounds. And if you guys have any questions, I am always open to emails. First and foremost, I do try and reach every single DM, but it's becoming quite difficult. So if you really have a question or you really want to share, my email address is samplanme at gmail.com. That was one of those conversations that I mean, I could have just kept talking and talking and talking. (laughs) Sam just has such a bright and like open personality and just energy about her. And then the way she's just, you know, just so willing to share her stories, the highs and the lows to help people is just truly inspiring. When I first found her Instagram, I was just captivated. To the day, it's still one of my favorite accounts. And so when she agreed to come on the show, I will admit, I was very happy and I may have done a little happy dance, 
but that doesn't need to, we don't need to expand upon that. (laughs) So if you like today's show and if you also now love Sam and want to find more of her content, go to Instagram and she's on there at thesamplan, linked below, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. Let us know your thoughts, let's connect, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.